Hello, welcome back to Let's Talk Title with Emercrest Title Services. I'm uh, the president and host, Dion Moniz. We have our lovely co-host, Ashley Bowen, director of operations. I tried to promote you last time, I vice know. president. <laughs> so this is episode 14, part two of our mini-series on contracts. Uh, so last time we spent the whole time talking about page one of the contracts. We promised we're gonna move a little bit faster through this, but we've got some really important stuff to talk about. So we might get past page two. Maybe, <laughs> um, and it's not not just contracts in general, but we're comparing the two um, real estate contracts in the state of Florida, the Farbar and the Crisp contract. Yes, so as part of this three part, we think it'll be three parts, maybe four, mini series on contracts. We're walking through the important parts of the Florida contracts and then comparing Crisp to Farbar. So that you can be aware of, of what's there depending on which contract you're working from. And we're having so much fun. We are, lots of fun. <laughs> I love contracts. And for you agents out there, uh, Ashley and I love to come in house and give seminars on this. So if uh, you all want us to come over and do something a little more personalized, just let us know, right? Yeah, drop a... <laughs> contact us Drop a contact, a comment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, Ashley, so I think uh, the first thing we need to cover is uh, on page two of the Farbar contract at line 71, it addresses when there is leasehold property, you have to check that box. And then uh, ultimately, if leasehold means there's a tenant, obviously. And in Florida, if someone buys property and there's a tenant there with a written lease, the buyer takes that property subject to the lease. So what this section- Which can be good or it can be bad. Exactly, right depends on what you want. Exactly. So what section 6B is intended to address is long-term leases, which is more than six months. So if there's a lease in place, the seller within five days of the effective date of the contract has to provide buyer with a copy of any of the leases that are in place. Buyer then has five days to review those leases and can back out for any reason whatsoever. Buyer might not like the name of, or how the tenant's name is spelled. Uh, any reason whatsoever within that five-day period, buyer can uh, back out and get the EMD back and the contract is canceled. So the significance of that is that it lets buyers or buyer look at the leases le or lease, make sure that he's comfortable with that lease because if the buyer is buying it as investment property, then cash flow is going to help dictate what the price is. And so being able to review the lease helps buyer confirm that before proceeding with the contract. So this is not in CRISP. Well, you would have to use um, the addendum. Um, it's addendum right. W, um, and you'd have to make sure that you attach that addendum to the contract. Um, we've had a situation here just a few months ago um, where the new buyer did not want the tenant in place, and you helped to draft a document. Um, An early was, termination agreement. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so if it comes to that, we can always help um, get you out of, your, out of the lease with the tenant. Yeah, cash for keys. That's usually a pretty effective tool to get the tenant out early if that's the intent. But we recommend that be handled as part of the closing so that when buyer takes possession, the tenant's already out. Otherwise, or as a part of going under contract, you wanna discuss with the tenant before you go under contract something before we get to closing. Yes, handle absolutely. It, handle it up front. Yes, good, good, good point. <laughs> So the uh, so that's the thing you're going to notice between Farbar and Crisp is a lot of this is already built into Farbar, whereas Crisp you've got to check the box and include the writer. And you need to know the writers. And um, 
so Dion and I, we each have these books here um, that are each contract plus all the addenda behind it. Um, and we have to reference them all the time. Um, and as a realtor, you should, you should know what addendas are, what they say, um, where to find them. Hopefully you have them, easy access, and make sure that you attach them to your contracts. So that'll be part four of our series. We we'll can go do over addenda. The addenda. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so the thing to remember, though, or be mindful of, is this section 6B in Farabar, or the rider in Crisp, does not address short-term rentals. And in our area of Florida, that's big. Almost, I bet more than half of um, the properties that we do closings on have a short-term rental in place. And those can get hairy. Yeah, we had an agent uh, that was on buyer side and uh, went under contract for a property that was short-term rental. Didn't specify anything in the contract about what would happen with those reservations that were already booked as of the date of the contract. And the seller had multiple investment properties and because the contract was silent, as soon as it went under contract, the seller moved those reservations over to another investment property, and the buyer essentially missed out on what seventeen-ish thousand dollars in, in rentals, which the agents on the buyer side didn't have to eat because that should have been handled in the contract, and it wasn't. So that was an expensive lesson for the agent. So we want to make sure it's not an expensive lesson for you. So whenever there's a lease in, or, a, or an agreement, a management agreement with, with a rental company, um, that management agreement does not go with, with the property, such as a long-term lease would. Um, the, the management agreement is with the seller. And right. so you need to, I would suggest, talk to the management company before closing um, and decide if you're going to use them. And I recommend using them because it makes all of those rentals it just makes it easier like use them for the rest of the season at least yeah that and that's key if, if you're buying a short-term rental property and it's in the middle of the season it's way too disruptive as we can tell you with numerous stories it's way too disruptive to try to move management companies because then you've got to figure out how to get all the reservations transferred etc so it's easier to ashley's point just to keep that management company in place through the season and then maybe switch um, and then the VRBOs, like that's a nightmare. Yeah. But it happens so frequently now because everybody's using these Airbnbs and VRBOs. And to so, rent their property. unfortunately, there's no way to avoid that mess. So, if, if it's VRBO or Airbnb, now they're not allowing the sellers to transfer their account to the buyer so that the reservations just get moved with that account. What has to happen is, buyer has to set up their own account. Seller has to cancel all the reservations in their account, notify the uh, clients that the reservations are being canceled, and then point them to the buyer's new account for everyone to rebook under the buyer's account, which is a total cluster. It's a nightmare. When um, but, I had a seller come in here one day with a book this thick and a spreadsheet that he had made he was like this big, and deposits and you know the different dates and oh, I yeah. was. I was glad that I didn't have to deal with that yeah. mess. <laughs> I know, it, it, it is a mess. Uh, but all the more reason to make sure that you address it properly. So in the contract, under section 20 if it's far bar, or 21 if it's crisp, under additional terms, you need to specify what's gonna happen, who owns the bookings at the time of the contract, who owns the bookings that have dates that straddle the, the closing date as far as uh, the, uh, the check-in and check-out dates. All that needs to be put into the contract so that seller can't then move it all and buyer lose out 
uh, assuming that's the intent for the sale. So make sure you address that in the contract. Uh, I recommend you use a lawyer for that, which, hey, guess what? I'm a lawyer. I, I can help. Uh, but if you don't want to use me, uh, you know, get with another lawyer to at least help with that. That's something. It's so important to communicate. You've got, you need the agents communicating with their clients, communicating with each other to get all this hammered out up front and so that we're not having a big mess at the end of the day whenever it's time for closing. Exactly. And one of the cool things about ECTS is all this free legal advice that I give, if we don't charge for it, it's just part of the service. So we'll help you with the contract and make sure both parties are protected and it's not anything extra. It's just part of, part so of doing nice. business because we're awesome. <laughs> I told Dion today that this is the most boring part of the contract series. <laughs> but also one of the most important. <laughs> it is. So yeah. we're going to talk about financing. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this actually happens to be one of the most important uh, piece of the contract and one of the areas with the most differences between Farbar and Crisp. So we're gonna go through them kind of painstakingly, uh, but hopefully it'll, you'll understand why and it'll all make sense. So under Farbar and Crisp, you've got uh, two different terms that are being used. Farbar now uses loan approval. Crisp uses the term loan commitment. Actually, depending on what bank is being used, what's the difference between a loan commitment and loan approval? Well, some lenders don't even know that, <laughs> know that the terms are different <laughs> in the contract, right. honestly. Um, but as far as the, what the contract reads is that a, well, a loan commitment is what has historically been used and it's just a commitment to give you a loan um, based on your credit score, um, or what have you. Subject to all the contingencies they still need to do uh, to, for underwriting. Yeah, signing tax returns or, um, you know, of course, the appraisal, letters of explanation. I mean, there's just a whole, it could be a laundry list of things. Um, and then a loan approval is supposed to be completely approved, gone through underwriting. The only thing we're waiting on is that appraisal. Right. So. Typically, what you'll see in a loan commitment letter is you're subject to approval subject to the next 20 conditions. And basically, they still have to underwrite the loan. So it's, it, it's kind of a, it's, it's premature in my point, in my mind, but under, under CRISP, that's all that you need. So just know that if you're under FAR bar, your lender has to go that extra step and actually do all the underwriting and say you're approved as long as it appraises. And the FAR bar actually has a due diligence requirement on the borrower to make sure that the bank is getting all that information timely. So if the bank's not able to do it timely, there actually is fault on the borrower side. The borrower can't blame the bank if the borrower wasn't acting with due diligence to get all the information to the bank for the underwriting to get the loan approval. I, I like the fact that in this contract, it states that the buyer um, would be in default if they don't use diligent effort to get everything to the bank on time. Um, and they have to timely furnish the bank with all the documents that they're requesting. And um, also they have to keep the broker and the lenders informed. And the um, seller, yeah. Mm -hmm. Fully informed of the status of the, of the loan application or process. Um, and so, like we talked about before, one of the other differences in this section between Chris and Farbar is the deadline for the loan approval or loan commitment in Farbar, it's a set date, so many days from the effective date as the default. And then in Crisp, 
is actually an alternating date. That's one of the sections that we talked about before. Um, the worst, the worst part about this crisp contract is that that you have to really calculate the dates. Um, and you're using, yeah. don't forget, we're using business, business days. days and not calendar days. So, ten days before closing. It's, actually, it's 10 business days before closing. You're gonna to have to get your calendar out and actually count the days. Exactly. All right, so back to loan approval, loan commitment. We know the different standards. So under the CRISP contract, you have up until the loan commitment deadline for the borrower to either get approved and notify uh, the seller that everything's good, we're moving forward, or notify the seller that you're not approved and you're canceling the contract. As long as that's done in writing before the loan commitment deadline, borrower can get their money back. Borrower gets their EMD back. If that's not done by the deadline, then the contract automatically goes hard, the financing contingency is waived, and the parties have to close. And if buyer doesn't close, then EMD is Seller forfeited. Gets the money. Yep. All right. So, far bar, it's a little bit different. And in today's market, with the uh, you know real estate prices being crazy, it's really important. So in FARBAR, you have up to what's called the loan approval period. And again, same as CRISP, you have up to that time frame to provide either notice that you've been approved and you're moving forward or notice that you're not approved and you're canceling. And if you do that within the loan approval period, buyer gets EMD back. Here's where the big difference is. So if that deadline is blown and the buyer does not give notice by the loan approval period, then it opens up a three-day window for seller to cancel the contract at seller's discretion, buyer gets EMD back, but what that allows is seller to go to the next highest bidder or you know whoever's ready to pay more for the property. And so the seller gets a free out of the contract to go sell well, to someone else. And another thing that I think that we y'all need to really pay attention to is that the buyer has to inform the the agents if they're approved or not approved right so a lot of times buyers will just blow through that date they know they're approved but they didn't put in writing i'm approved for this loan and the sellers have that three-day window they can back out and the buyer buyer's approved buyers paid for an appraisal and all yeah. of this other stuff and they're so, out that money they just spent i would um I think the assumption is, hey, if I don't give notice and the deadline goes, then they just know I'm going to close. But that's not what Farbar says. It's not what it says. So, I, I mean. So that's a huge tool for the seller and a huge disadvantage for the buyer. And right now, sellers are looking for any way they can to get out of a contract. Oh, absolutely. So this is the first way they can do it. Actually, the second way. First way is when they don't pay the EMD on time, like we talked about last episode. But um, well, so, this is the buyer doing everything seemingly that they're supposed to do and it's a way for the seller to kick them out yeah absolutely so always make sure that if you're on a fire bar and you get your loan approval let everybody know yes absolutely so getting back to that so three window opens seller can cancel if seller doesn't cancel within that three days then the contract goes hard and the parties have to close or buyer loses or EMD. buyer loses emd um the only it states in here though that um if it doesn't appraise, then there's there's another out for this, the buyer to get their EMD back. Um, this, they can ask the seller to renegotiate. Correct. Yeah, that's kind and of so the only. And so there's like a built-in appraisal contingency in the financing section of the contract. Yes, which is cool because if you don't have a financing contingency in the contract, that's kind of built into it. So if something happens 
and the contract goes hard, um, it still has to appraise. And so that's a the way for the buyer to get the grace. back. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, did we cover everything, Ashley, for finance and contingency? I, I feel think, like we did. I think we have. So big differences. Just be mindful of which contract you're on. And if you're far bar, keep track of that loan approval deadline diligently and make sure that notice is provided either way. Uh, and if you're seller, you're watching that deadline like a hawk, waiting for that deadline, that first deadline to lapse so that you can back out and have your client go to the next uh, and, buyer. And you stay on top of your lender because that um, loan yes. approval is gonna be a little bit more stringent than just a loan commitment. Yeah, and these days with the market as hot as it is, sellers aren't granting extensions. They're just not. So if you can't, if, that, if the lender's not going fast enough and can't get the loan approval, even though they say, you know, we need another week, you're gonna have to cancel uh, and lose out even if you think you're gonna get approved within that week because seller's not gonna grant that extension or you take the risk and let it go hard. Although right now, you know, most people have to do cash offers because even financing contingencies aren't working. Well, they're putting in a cash offer even though they're getting financing. And so um, they're, they're losing out on all of these contingencies like the appraisal right. contingency and, and all of that. Yep. So that's another big risk. Uh, who knows by the time this is aired whether the market will still be as hot. I'm pretty sure it will be. But um, now that you're having to do cash offers, you still want to get a loan, but you're waiving all the contingencies so you can jump in front of everybody because everything's in multiple bid situations. And it's still going to have to get an appraised an, an appraisal if you're getting a loan, um, even though you don't have it in your contract. And then what happens if it doesn't appraise? Then you're going to lose your EMD um, because the seller the seller is not going to renegotiate price with you because or it you didn't appraise, or you're going to have cash to cash yeah. for the difference. Yeah. So be ready. It's a crazy market, uh, but that's where, we at, that's where we're at with this crazy market right now. It's great for us as a title company because we're buried right now, but it's been fun. So we made it past page two. We did. <laughs> Barely, <laughs> but we did. We promise next time we'll cover more pages, but these first two well, pages are obviously very important. Well, next time we're going to do closing costs, inspection periods, and repairs. Yes. That'll be fun. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so we appreciate everyone watching us as usual. Again, if you have any uh, input for us on what to cover next after we're done with our contract series, let us know. Contact us here. Smash that like button. Smash that like button. I did it. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>